All right. Good morning, Destiny family. How's everybody doing today? Good? All right. Well, I hope everybody is awake and warm. It's going to be a good morning. Pastor is out away a little bit this morning. Uh, it will be for the next couple of weeks. He spoke about last week. Uh, him and Tracy are celebrating their 30th anniversary coming up, so they are spending some time just away focusing on them and what God's doing in their life. So excited to be able to speak to you guys this morning and jump right in. So if you've got something to take notes, I encourage you, please get that out. Uh, get ready. How many of you want God to speak to you? Then we need to be prepared to receive something. I, every time I speak, I always talk about taking notes, not because I'm the most amazing communicator in the world, not because I know I'm going to say something absolutely mind-blowing, because that's probably neither of those are true. However, I am going to speak something I, be, I believe that God has put on my heart, and I believe that God will speak to you through me. Um, so if we want to receive something, we need to be prepared to receive something. How many of you have ever asked someone for directions, you didn't write it down, and halfway there, you were lost? Right? Exactly. So that's why when we're in a message, when you're hearing someone speak, I encourage you write that down because when you leave and you're halfway through your week and you try to remember what was it that was said Sunday that was so good, you're lost. You with me? Because you don't have it written down. So let's make sure we're writing notes, taking notes so we catch every word that God wants to speak. So I want to jump right in today. Uh, we are on the King of Kings uh, series and I want to just focus a little bit on the reason for the season. King of Kings, obviously we are speaking of Jesus. And how many of you realize the Sunday before Christmas is a good day to talk about Jesus, right? Every day is a good day to talk about Jesus, but especially in this season, this time, we're, we want to really focus in. That being said, I do want to give a quick plug before I jump into my message. We have a phenomenal kids ministry that's going on uh, just across the street. If you've got I'm sorry, not across the street. Across the Blue Breezeway, it's like an eight-foot area, not across the street, okay? There's no traffic other than foot, all right? Um, amazing kids ministry going on there. They will actually go home uh, with a special gift today to help you celebrate Jesus as a family. Um, so if you have kids and would like to take them over there, I'd encourage you um, to do that for this very reason. I want to, later part of my message, I'm going to talk a little bit of some cultural norms uh, that we have in today's culture in celebrating Christmas. Um, so... Uh, just giving you a little bit of heads up there. would hate for this morning to be a traumatic morning for anyone uh, that may be in the room that is younger and hopefully you can put together the pieces of where I'm going with that. All right? So let's jump right into our message today. Uh, I want to talk to you about the King of Kings, and that's Jesus. And I think it's so important during this season especially that we remember the reason that we celebrate Christmas, and it is what? Jesus, the birth of Jesus specifically. The fact that Jesus came, that God became man to later be recognized as king. And I think it's so significant because I love the fact when you read the story of Jesus, he came as no one. He was born nowhere of significance, nowhere of prominence. And the thing I love about Jesus is he was not this isolated elite figure, but he was someone who embraced and loved everyone throughout his life, correct? If we look at the life of Jesus, he went and he spent time with the most common, most overlooked, underappreciated, and undervalued people that society would have, correct? He also spent time with some of the most elite and revered people as well. He spent time with both. And, and here's the reason I'm making this point. 
Jesus was not a Savior who came for these people. He wasn't a Savior who came for those people. He was a Savior who came for all people. And that was not an idea that really was widely embraced at that moment. Right? Because at that point, God was the God of the Jews. Okay? You with me? Jesus ushered in an idea that Jews and Gentiles both could have salvation. And there was this bringing back of relationship. See, often I think in church we begin to think of the fact that Jesus came to get us to heaven. And that will be the ultimate end result, but that wasn't the goal. Do you realize that? Jesus came to restore a relationship that was broken. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, I want you to think for just a moment what it would be like to be Adam. It says, the Bible says that God would come and he would walk and talk with Adam in the cool of the day. I don't know about you, I can't even imagine what it would be like for God just to show up and you guys go for a stroll, right? Like, my brain can't even comprehend that, but there was a level of relationship that we were created for to have as man with God that we see when we look through Genesis and we see the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve. Jesus didn't just come to ultimately get you to heaven. He came to restore a relationship that was broken because God wanted that level of relationship with all of us. Jesus restored the level of relationship where we no longer had to go to a priest to hear from God, but we can all hear from God. Are you with me? We can all have that personal relationship. The birth of Jesus was huge in ushering in an idea that salvation is for all. And I want us to jump right in this morning because I really believe we sell that idea short often as Christians because we've adopted the idea that one day we'll make it to heaven and that's our goal. And Jesus' mission was not to get you to heaven, it was to bring heaven here on earth through our surrendered and available lives, when we're able to come together and say, this is who I am, this is what God saved me from, then we're able to tell of the love of Jesus Christ that transforms and changes everything about the world that we live in. But in order for us to really understand who God's called us to be, this is your first blank, in order to really live a life of purpose, we have to have a vision for what God has called you to do. Now, I want to camp on this word for just a moment, vision, right? This is, we're coming into 2020. It is a year to talk about vision, right? What is your 2020 vision? We've got a vision board right outside these doors. What is your vision for the year? Not just yours, but what is it God is speaking to you, the revelation that God is giving to you for this year? Don't just come with next year, okay, it's 2020. Here's my New Year's resolution that I'm going to do till about mid-February. But what is your New Year's revelation that is a deposit God has given you to sustain you through the year? That when things are hard, no, this is the revelation I got about this year. Are you with me? When things are easy, this is the revelation I got about this year. Whatever you're focusing and you have a revelation to go back to, it grounds you. Your revelation, what is the revelation of your life? What is the revelation that God is calling you to? And I want to point you to a verse. It's Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. 
Some, verses, some versions say uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. But that word vision isn't just like direction. It's a revelation. It's speaking of a revelation of God to who you are, what you are called to do, where you are going, where you were created to go. I want to ask you, I have never seen a time that that verse has seemed more true than when we look at the world that we live in today. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Anybody ever been Black Friday shopping? There is a wealth of restraint, right? Anybody ever open your social media and realize there is a wealth of restraint in our culture, right? No. Here's the thing that I've discovered Often, if we don't understand our purpose, we're quick to tell our opinion. Some of you guys really need to listen to that. When we don't understand our purpose, we're often quick to give our opinion. How many of you realize your opinion changes? Anybody ever had a strong opinion until new information was given, and then you realize that opinion was very wrong? Anybody? Yeah, oh, absolutely have I done that. <laughs> My wife can tell you many times that my opinion was wrong, whether I thought it was or not. Just kidding, kind of. <laughs> There's some truth there. But this is the thing that I want us to understand, your vision. What is it that God has called you to? Because Jesus came to empower you, to release you to a level of relationship to change your world. There was something you were put on this planet to do, and we discover that in relationship with the King of Kings. God who became man, who lived really in complete obscurity for a long time. How many of you realize Jesus' ministry didn't start till he was about 30 years old, right? We really don't know a lot about the life of Jesus from the time he was born until he's about 30 years old. I'm going to ask you a question. We've got to be really careful because when we begin to compare ourselves to the world's standard, we often find ourselves off, right? How many of you realize if we looked at the world standard compared to Jesus, he's a late bloomer, right? I mean, by 30, he should have been married, he had kids, he should have been on the way to whatever his career path was going to be, right? He should be financially set and buying a home. Jesus is just launching his ministry. He's not married, doesn't have kids, he's a late bloomer. How many of you guys think Jesus' three years of ministry did more than pretty much anyone else would do in a lifetime, right? Don't let the world limit you because you are not living to the world's standard. You were not created to live to a world standard. You were created to live to a heavenly one. This is a side note for my message, but I believe it's for some of you in here. I believe there are some of you that are still being baked. And here's what I mean by this. Anybody ever make Christmas cookies? Let's be honest, okay? How many parents, when you, you made Christmas cookies and you're giving your kid a Christmas cookie, parents, don't lie, you're in church. Like, okay, can I have a cookie, Dad? Yep. Where's the smallest one in here because you do not need any more sugar? Yep. Now, five minutes later, once you get your kids set, you come back to get your cookie. Where is the biggest cookie in here, right? Because if I get the biggest cookie, then I'm not eating three small ones. Let's be honest, I'm still going to eat three big ones. But, hey, it makes me feel better to say it that way, right? Like, we try to find what's the biggest one for me, what's the smallest one for you. And I'll never forget, we were baking Christmas cookies one day, and we got those all set, and we had some dough left over. 
Not enough to like cut out shapes, but I took all the leftover scraps. I made one giant cookie. I was excited about this cookie. I threw it in there, let it bake. Timer goes off. Man, I've just, we've just made like two dozen cookies, and they were perfect. Timer goes off, and I open that with this big doughy lob. I was like, what? It, wrong with our oven. Stick it back in there. Give it two more minutes. Why is that the magic number? Is, is that the way in anyone else's house? When you look, and it's like, nope, not done yet. Two minutes. It, for whatever reason, it's always two minutes. Now, eight minutes later, it's still going to be two more minutes. But two is the magic number. I don't know why. Anyway, about 10 minutes goes by, and I finally pull this thing out, and it's like, all right, at least it's edible. Two more minutes. And it was finally good. I was able to pull out and had this amazing giant cookie. I came out, and it's like the size of the plate. And my wife was like, really? Not, no other comment than, really? Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. That was like, honey, you didn't want me to waste the leftovers, right? Right, like trying to rationalize. Anyway, here's the point of where I'm going with that. Making something small only took a small amount of time. But sometimes there's something in you that needs to feed more, which requires more baking. Don't let the slowness of your process deter you from understanding the promise that God's given you. See, I think a lot of times, well, but it doesn't look the way the world said it should look. My timeline isn't right. Your timeline is based on what? Is it based on the vision God's given you? Or is it based on what culture has told you? Know your vision. Know where God's called you. See, I heard a guy say it this way the other day, and I really loved this wording. He says, your purpose is what you do to invest in the world around you. Your passion is what you do to invest in you. And I thought, oh, that's really neat. But I'm going to take it a step further because I believe God's purpose for your life is when you marry those and you discover that your passion can actually be used as part of your purpose to develop the world around you so that when you are operating in your passion is actually developing something in the life of other people. Let me give you an example. Anybody ever spend all week working just praying to get to the weekend? Right? We've all, we've all done it at one point or another. Right? So we can get to the weekend and do what we want to do. Anybody ever done something that you want to do, but yet it seems so fulfilling? You're like, man, I wish I could do this every day of my life. Welcome to marrying your passion and your purpose. I love to make music, but I've got to be an accountant so I can pay the bills. Right? How do I do this? How do I manage these? Is there a way to use what you're passionate about to actually enrich the lives of other people in a way that changes everything about who you are? No bash to accountants. Some people absolutely love that. Not my thing, all right? Just saying. There was this good comparison that was personal to me, okay? Uh, but I think a lot of times we get these ideas and it's like, well, how do I, I can, these two don't fit. Anybody ever felt like your passion doesn't fit your purpose? I, I would venture to challenge you if you feel like your passion doesn't fit your purpose, you might want to revisit what your purpose is. Well, my, you know, if I marry these two, I'm not going to get rich. I'm not going to be able to follow this timeline. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm just telling you right now. I'm a pastor and I'm mar married to a teacher in Oklahoma, all right? 
I've seen her paycheck. We ain't getting rich. Teachers in the house, you know what I'm talking about, right? This is, not, this is not where we're at in the world. That's fine. Because why? Because there's a passion that she carries that is partnered with her purpose that changes the life of people on a daily basis. What is your purpose? Stop comparing your life to what culture says your life should look like and develop and understand the purpose that God has given you to awaken something about the life that you are called to live. Jesus came to awaken something in you. In fact, John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus did not come to get you to heaven. He came to bring heaven on earth, released through you operating in the passion and the purpose that he created you for. How many of you realize you all have a different passion in this room? Why would, we, why would God create us all with different passions if we all had the same purpose? Because you can use that passion to bring about that purpose in a different way. You realize there are some people that I will connect with that you'll never connect with. There are some people you'll connect with that will not talk to me for one moment. It's the world we live in. So how do you use your passion to bring about the purpose that God has entrusted you to carry? Jesus didn't die so you could have an awesome weekend. He died so you could impact your world. Let's think about that for a moment. Stop suffering through life so you can have a couple days of peace. And understand, God created you for something that is so much bigger. And the moment you begin to align with the assignment God's given you, God begins to open doors you could never imagine. I just want to tell you, I'm excited for what God is doing in 2020 in this church. What God is doing in this community. I want to tell you a little bit about an opportunity that happened this last week that it's not even in my notes for the message, but I feel like it's important that we understand God's favor is on this house. See, there's something really interesting. Some of you got to come to the Dell City Tree Lighting. It's a great event. We got to come together, celebrate, and share Jesus with the community. On a civic platform. Like, not a church service. We showed up in the Dell City Community Center, an event hosted by the mayor, and the Dell City Chamber of Commerce, and we get to get on stage, play Christmas music, and tell the reason that we're there to celebrate. That's a big deal. In the meantime, we got to give away toys to this year, the biggest year they've ever done, more than 200 kids. Pretty cool, right? You know something even more interesting? Last week, talking to a couple people in the city, and they were like, hey, we got leftover toys from this. We've got all these extra toys that we, we didn't give away. Do you guys want them? Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> you mean the city wants to buy toys and give them to the church to, for the church to just hand them out to people that would be in need? Sure. Why not? <laughs> so what do we do? We looked to Care Portal, one of the Organizations that we work with, Dana works with a ton. In and I know there's so many of you guys that work and help with that. And I was speaking to Dana one night and said, hey, is there anywhere you can use this? And you know what I love? God provided an avenue for extra toys for us to give to kids who were in need for Christmas. When I went and said, hey, is there a need in Care Portal? We actually don't have one this year. The church has already filled it. The people of the church have already met the needs. I don't even have a need for those right now. Okay. Well, let's look at our whiz kids. Now, I went and talked to Pastor Tabitha, our whiz kids, this organization that we invest in on a weekly basis. Can we use some of these toys and invest? And guess what? 
we were able to give toys to every one of those kids for Christmas. On top of that, we've got a room full of toys left. What are we going to do with these? So our interns wrapped them. We went to the apartment complex down the street, and we just started handing out presents to kids for Christmas. Welcome to the church. What is the purpose that God's awakening in you? That was one conversation that literally filled a need in four different areas. One, what conversations is your world waiting for you to have that's going to unlock the provision of God in your life to transform everything about the world you live in? Jesus did not come. God did not become man to live, die for you merely to get to heaven one day. He was ushering heaven in on earth in a powerful way that transforms everything about the lives of every person you come in contact with. Romans 8, 19 says, For creation waits eagerly in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Why in the world would creation wait eagerly for the children of God to be revealed? Because you carry a purpose to be released to your earth, the, this world, and the earth will never be the same the moment you understand the vision that God's given you for this planet. There is something that the world is waiting for, for you to catch. I, I'm just telling you. Stop trying to confine that, what I'm saying even right now. I believe some of you are trying to confine it to the box of where you've always heard. I want you to remove the box. Jesus was an outside-of-the-box thinker. Do you realize that? He went to every person that you would think should not be ministered to. He talked to the poor. He talked to the homeless. He talked to the prostitute. He talked to the tax collector. He talks to the priest. He talked to everybody. Don't confine what God's called you to a box that culture has told you you need to fit in. Whether that's the culture you live in or religious culture. Some of y'all need to hear me. Well, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to be a missionary. Maybe you're not. Well, I don't know how am I going to be on the worship team. I don't sing. I don't do wheel. Where can I, where can I use my gift in these four walls? Your gift may not be inside these four walls. Your gift may be waiting to be awakened outside of these four walls. It's going to reach people that before they met you would never have stepped foot in here. But there is something about you that is going to take people from these four walls, engage them in a community, in a world, in a way that transforms everything about their life. What is it that's in you that's waiting to be awakened in your world? Some of you in this room, it's like, but I mean... I, I'm going to camp on this one for a minute because I think it's overlooked in our culture. I want to give some appreciation here. I think our school teachers often are like, just standing back. It's like, well, how does my gifting fit? I, need, I guess I should be a, a Sunday school teacher or help lead a community group or, or bring Jesus to the classroom God's already given you. But hear me. In a healthy way. In a healthy way. Here, let me be really clear. Well, but my school system doesn't let me pray. It doesn't let me do it. Your school system doesn't say a single thing that you can't show up to your classroom and pray for your classroom before there's any student in it. 
But when they see the love of Jesus through your life and your action, it builds a relationship that begins to transform something about their life. You don't have to figure out how to sneak the gospel into your teaching and be deceptive and dishonest to what your employer has asked you to do. Some of y'all need to hear me because that's a religious spirit that does not need to be in the church. What you do need to do is embrace who God has called you to be, live according to that, and release the love of Jesus in the world that he's given you. And I promise you it will transform and change the lives of people far beyond what you could imagine. I want to point something out really quick before I move on because I, I think I probably rubbed some people the wrong way just now. And I don't mean this braggadocious. I, I, the only reason I'm even saying this is for us to understand what I mean by the words I just said. You don't need to sneak Jesus into something for Jesus to be revealed there. I do a lot with our city. Our city asks our church to do a lot. We've been given a lot of platform with them. There are a lot of other churches that are involved in our city. There is no other church that's been given as much platform as we have been given. I don't mean that, again, there's nothing arrogant about that, but I do want you to understand something. We steward the platform that we've been given well. So when we're asked to come in and, for example, lead a three-day leadership program with students from the community, we don't come in and try to sneak Jesus into the conversations for those three days. We develop them as leaders and invest in them and do what the city has asked us to do. Now, through that, are there conversations about, what do you do? I'm a pastor at Destiny. Really? When do y'all meet? And conversations come up. Are you with me? You know what I can tell you? Not one time in seven years of helping with our DelQuest program, which is a young leader program that we do in the community, not one time have I tried to preach the gospel to those students. But you know what I can tell you is we've had probably close to a dozen of those students who have attended here and brought their families because we were the church who didn't treat them like they thought church would treat them. So when their families got together, where are we going to go for Christmas? Or where are we going to go for Easter? Because it's the two times a year that we go to church. Let's go to this church. There was this pastor. We should go. That's generally how that conversation comes out. I'm telling you, it will give you more platform and more interest when you steward what God's given you well. We have to catch the revelation of God for our life. What is it about your life that can be transformed by the revelation of God simply being introduced? One verse, and I want to jump into the next part. i got to hurry it up here. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is a verse that has made me really nervous. Anybody ever read that verse before? Jesus, I am going to the Father, so you're going to do even greater things than me. I'm a what, huh? You want me to do what? I mean, I'm, I'm just lucky if I'm not living at Judas' standard. Let's be real. Right? I mean, if I might make one of like those middle disciples, I'm doing real good. Right? Anybody else, like, let's be honest, feel that same way? You read about the disciples, I was like, hey, man, if I could do, like, half that, like, I'm solid. Jesus is like, yeah, you're not going to do half that. You're going to do more than me. Like, I'm going to wet a hoodie. What? What do you want me to do? I told you earlier, I want us to just pause for a moment. 
what if we truly got a revelation of who Jesus was? What if we truly got a revelation of what God's love can do for the world around us? You know, last week, Pastor talked about a guy who got a revelation of who God was, and it literally helped tens of, more than 10,000 orphans. And you guys think that's pretty significant. There's another guy I want to talk to you about. Really interesting. Uh, he was a bishop, okay? He was known as the Bishop of Myra, and he was actually known as the boy bishop. I love this part because he was 30, and they called him a boy bishop because he was so young. I'm 35, so I like to think that that still makes me feel young, right? He, he was yet a boy, right? Like, anyway, whatever. He was the boy bishop. And the thing that was interesting is he had a revelation of who God was. He was taught as a small child about the love of Jesus, and he grew up in the church. He grew up understanding the love of God, and he spent his life helping people in a way that actually transformed. This is really interesting, but this bishop, this boy bishop, finds this wealthy man who actually loses his job and becomes very poor. He has three daughters, so in order to maintain their life, he decides he's going to sell these three daughters into prostitution. That's a problem, for starters. And this bishop found out. And he said, his heart was broken that a father would do that. And he actually came and provided a, gold, a dowry of gold for each one of the daughters so that they would be rescued from a life of prostitution. And he paid for them. That's great. That's absurd, right? The situation itself is completely absurd, but he had such a revelation of who God was and what God wanted to do that he was willing to give his own money to rescue people from being sex trafficked. You guys think our world probably needs a little more of that. Later on, he would be traveling, and he shows up, and he stays at an inn, and the innkeeper actually murdered three boys earlier and put them in the basement in pickle jars. Like, not like pickle jars like you get at Crest, but like barrels, okay? Like pickle barrels, right? That got real creepy for a minute. Uh, <laughs> put them in pickle barrels, okay? Not that it's less creepy the other way, I guess. Anyway, whatever. So, he shows up, and in a dream, God reveals to him that this happened. He confronts the guy about it. He stops a mass murderer. And according to the story, he even prayed, and God brought those kids back to life. How many of you guys think we need a revelation of who God is? What if you could walk into a room and God quicken you that there's illegal activity going on here, and you could actually stop things going on in your world because you listen to the Spirit of God in you? How many of you guys think we need to be awakened to the purpose of God in our life? I told you earlier I was going to talk about this, so I'm going to talk about it here. How many of you guys think the culture we live in today has got a big celebration of somebody who is not Jesus? Right? Santa Claus. Some of y'all just got real nervous. You're like, where are you going with this, Pastor Chris? Both sides. I'm telling you right now, there are two groups of people in the room, and both of you just got nervous. Right? Here's what I want you to understand. We celebrate Santa Claus, and we do all these things in the culture, and whether you are pro-Santa Claus for your kids or not, 
Here's what I want you to understand. The story of Santa Claus actually originated from the story of St. Nicholas, who was the boy bishop from the Bishop of Myra. What I just told you is the beginning story of St. Nicholas, the dowry that was given was actually deposited secretly through the window into the stockings of the girls as the stockings were hung over the fireplace. That's why we hang stockings over the fireplace. I'm not saying that Santa needs to be the center post of what we do in Christmas. What I'm saying is that the Santa figure came from a man who had a revelation of who Jesus was. And when we can introduce that into the culture that we live in, and someone says, oh, man, Santa's coming. Do you know that the reason Santa started was because he had a revelation of the love of Jesus in his life? My kids, we do Santa. I'm just telling you, we do Santa, like every year. And guess what? When my kids were real little, when we started talking about Santa Claus, you know what I told them? See, there was this kid who grew up in church, just like you, and he caught a revelation of who Jesus was and the loving heart of Jesus. And because of that, he began to serve people and help the poor and do all of these things. And I began to tell them the story of where Santa originated. Some of you can, you can like that, dislike it. It doesn't matter to me. I, I love you anyway. And I'm not going to change what we do as a family, but we do that because Jesus is the reason we celebrate. And if we can introduce that into a cultural expression, then great, because every time now they see a Santa Claus figure, they're reminded that there is a fat man delivering presents because he understood the love of Jesus for a world around him. Do you see? We can integrate Jesus into everything. I'm not saying dilute who Jesus is. I'm saying have a true revelation that the heart of Jesus can transform a world. And when I read a verse that says, you'll do even greater things than me, I'm like, how in the world would that be possible? But then I can read a story about a man who understood who Jesus was, and he gave his life, his wealth, and everything he had to expanding that into his world. And it is also the most fought over figure at Christmas time. That's interesting to me when I look at it from that perspective. When a man got a revelation of who God was, it made such an impact on his world that he still talked about thousands of years later. Huh. Really? Do you realize he didn't do any of that for recognition? He did it because of his love of Jesus. The reason for this season isn't recognition. It's the love of Jesus. Why were you created with a purpose? Not so that you could get recognition but so that we could exemplify the love of Jesus that was brought to us in infant form, born in a manger, that would transform everything about the world the moment he showed up. Someone born in such obscurity, if the band would start to come back, that he was born in a manger, but yet kings took notice. I want you to think about that for a moment. Kings took notice of a boy born in a manger. Who cares? He's surrounded by goats and everything else in a manger. Who is this that the world would stop and recognize him? Creation recognized him first 
with a star that appeared in the sky. Are you with me? All of creation sings of who Jesus is. It sings about the love of God to your world. If we simply recognize it and realize there is something your world is waiting for to be released the moment we discover the true purpose of Jesus coming. And it was not merely to get you to heaven. It was to release heaven on earth through your surrendered, available life. I want to ask you the question, what stories will be spoken of you after you die because of what you gave during your life? because of the investment you made during your life. Some of you have heard, heard me tell this story again. It wasn't in my notes, but I, I want to end with it. The most powerful funeral I've ever been to was from a lady that was in Norman, and she was a nurse. I never got the privilege of meeting her. She was in the hospital uh, when I came to that church at that time. I met her family, and they were a great family. She was a nurse. How many of you realize nurse is a great profession, but it's not like, this magnificent, oh, you are a nurse. I want to meet you, right? It's a nurse. Good job. Nothing spectacular. Showed up at this lady's funeral. More than 700 people attended. People showed up from three continents to celebrate this woman's life. She was a nurse who had a revelation of who God was, and every person who walked in that room walked out different. Every person who met her at the grocery store walked out different. I listened to hours and hours of people getting up and talking about the impact that she made in their life. Getting up, talking about how their life would never be the same because this nurse showed up on their doorstep with groceries and their family was in dire need and she felt like God had told her to bring groceries to this house. Because they were sick and their kids were sick and they didn't know what else to do and they didn't know Jesus, but this nurse came in and said, look, I'm not supposed to do this, but I can see that you guys are hurting and I believe your son's going to be okay. Well, how do you know that? Is that what the doctor said? No, no, no. I don't have a doctor's report that tells me that. But I have a Savior that does. What is your world waiting for you to be who God created you for? Your world is waiting for you to be awakened to the purpose of God for your life. What does 2020 look like for you? Where do you need to get involved? What vision is God giving you for this next year? Spend some time in prayer. Put it on the board. Why do I need to put it on the board, Pastor Chris? So that we can pray over it with you. We didn't put that board out there to see whose is the best idea. We put it so we can partner together as a family and believe God for this area in your life and this area in your life and this area in your life. God wants to awaken something in your life this morning. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here today and you say the truth of it is, I've lived my life focused on me and my family and what God needs to do for me, not what I need to do for him. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. 
this morning you say, I want that to be different. I want to understand the purpose of God for my life. I want to be transformed by the loving heart of God so that I can transform the world around me. Let me pray for you today. God, I pray right now for every person in the room that we would be connected to the revelation of a Savior who was the King of all kings and was born as nobody to later be revealed as the true King and Son of God that would transform the world in a powerful way. God, I pray that this morning you would give us a revelation of who we are because of who he is in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.